Hello everyone and welcome back. This is the third episode of Pocket Thoughts presented by Educating Entrepreneurs and we've got a great episode ahead for you guys. Today we talk about our biggest fears, whether it be in life, business, or even in our development in entrepreneurship. During that discussion, we take a dive into the school system and how we think students should be taught. Do we need to take those core classes, or why is it not encouraged that someone can be the best in arts, gym, or whatever you have a passion for? Later, Joy calls out Bobby for being an arrogant prick, and Bobby explains why he is alright with being called that. After breaking down each other's fears, we talk about the fact that there's no reason not to take a chance. What's the worst that can happen? Who knows, just by asking that question or talking to that person you've always been scared to talk to because of rejection or whatever excuse you gave yourself for not doing it, it could open up a door to possibilities you never imagined. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on what you guys thought of the show and let us know any questions you have or want us to talk about for future podcasts. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pocket Thoughts. We're excited to have you here this week. I want to start it off right away and I want to ask you guys something I've been thinking about this past week. I'm curious about your guys' biggest fear, your biggest fear in life, your biggest fear in business, maybe development, entrepreneurship. I'm just curious. It's it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and want to hear everybody's take on it. Yeah, uh, I can start. Mine, it's, uh, it's very cliche. It's failure. You know, you go through a lot of things in life and for me, I want to I want to do it right. I want to get it right the first time so I don't have to do it again. So it's just something you overthink and you don't want something to go wrong. You said you always want to do it right. What's, yeah, you know, I mean, what are you scared of? Just, you know, I mean, if you do it wrong, people can't trust you. At least that's what I think. <laughs> like, well, just think about it. If you fail, like you, I would feel awful. At. Personally, didn't do very good in school. You get F sometimes. At least I did. <laughs> that is tough. No, I understand. Yeah. So it's, I mean, you don't want that. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to be able to do it as good next time. Or obviously I need to do it better. And so it just gets you down. It gets your confidence down. And it's just something I am very scared of. I don't like knowing the fact that I could fail and it's just going to bring down my confidence and I'm not going to be able to have that confidence going into something the next time because it'll I'll just be like, all right, you know, I'm, I might just fail again and why even try? So does that prevent you from doing things? Yeah, because, you know, I get you get scared and you're like, OK, going into a new job, it's like, OK, what if I really want this job or it's something new I want to try and I'm like, okay, well, what if I'm not good at it? What if I don't get the job right away? And that just would make me think, you know, I don't want to try to go get another job or try to do, I don't know, say working out, setting a goal. You know, if I fail at it, I'm like, okay, can't do it this time. It's not going to happen next time. I think it's kind of weird or not weird. I guess everyone kind of has that internal fear of failing, I guess, if that makes sense. I mean, that isn't necessarily my biggest fear, but just like everyone else, it's uncomfortable and it sucks to fail. And I'm really curious about what age we really like switch into the, that failure thought process. Because 
if you look at it when we're kids, it's always crazy to me to think when we're <clears throat> babies, when we're young children, that's when we learn the most at the quickest rate because we are willing to try everything and anything over and over again until we make it work. If we were children, six months, one year, two years, and we were trying to walk, and we thought that we were failing every single time we fell, we would give up on walking, just like we do today. When you run a marathon and you do poorly, you never want to run it again. If you try to get that job and you don't get it, you never want to try again. Because all of a sudden, when we're adults, we're so scared of that idea. And even though it's cliche, we all forget that failing should really be thought of as learning. And I think everybody needs to do better at it. I know I personally need to because I get so, I guess I get so attached to doing it right that when somebody says I fail, I just freak out in a yep. sense that I need to defend myself. <clears throat> I need to go on the defensive. I need to protect my ego. And I think when we decide or we can really create enough humility in our lives to accept failure and accept criticism, that's when we grow at super quick paces and speeds, just like when we were children. Definitely. I think, uh, I mean, to your point previously of what age, when did that change, right? It's For me, I feel like it starts with the school system right away. We are given, like Brand said, sometimes failing grades if we don't do something right. And that could be discouraging for many people and maybe make us not want to try something or keep at something and try to get better. Like you said, walking, I mean, fall down, huh? whatever, I'll get back up and go for it again. There's no like major punishment, but society has made us feel bad. Well, I, not society, I should, I should say it. the education system makes us feel bad for not doing something right. And they give us these poor grades, which just makes us feel worse and look worse to other people, which makes us feel worse even more. Right. So it's, I, I think that's kind of when that whole thing began, in my opinion. But I'm curious to um, hear what you guys have to say about that. So I'm curious. I think that's a good, I think it's an interesting point because I think this is one thing that I think we've taken a, a weird turn on in our society in participation. No matter what you do, how the results are, everybody's a winner. And I like where I think what is interesting to me is. I agree that grades probably aren't the aren't the best system to delineate, but there has to be something to delineate, I think, as people move along. And I mean, what's what's a good measure of that between everybody? Nobody gets a grade and everybody's the same. And we have to find a way to delineate people because I'm not I'm not exactly sure what that is, because I agree that I don't think I don't think grades ex I, I'd say grades in this in the education standpoint of things viewpoint. I don't think those grades are necessarily what necessitates to success or to making someone better than someone else in any regard. I'm curious as to what, what that is because I think a big trend right now is that everybody's a winner and participation trophies and that sort of thing. So I'm curious where we draw the line on that. I honestly have no idea. Like I completely agree. I think the grading scales and the way we assess learning just doesn't work right now. I believe if you look at the most talented people in the world, they aren't people that did well in school. Just hands down, they didn't. And there's a reason. And I'm, I'm more curious if it's a, the grading scale 
or the courses that all schools focus on now? In the sense, like, you have, like, a big four in school where you have math, you have English, you have science, then you have, darn it, I thought there was a big four. History? History. That's, that's what I would say. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's the four. And if you don't fall on that linear path with those four courses, you're kind of an outcast. Like, why can't you be the best of the best in the music room? Why can't you focus purely on gym? I mean, I understand some of the concepts, but why can't you be the best at art? If that's what you love to do, why does it matter if you get poor grades in math? It shouldn't matter. If you look at some of the people that succeed, they're athletes. If you know you're the best athlete, I mean, I agree, you need to get an education, but it shouldn't be frowned upon when you focus on that. It shouldn't be frowned upon if you genuinely love music. There's a story, and I wish I could remember the name, but basically there was a woman that would go to class every day and she was failing all of her courses, but she just absolutely dominated the music courses. And her parents eventually took her to doctors to see if she had a disability. And the doctor just put her in a room and analyzed how she reacted with certain things. And she reacted horribly with books. She wouldn't even pick one up. But when they put a musical instrument in the room, she just lit up and she played with it for hours and hours and just worked on mastering that instrument. So the doctor said straight up, he was like, don't put her back in the school system. Just don't. Teach her how to do the things she loves. Teach her music. And she went on to basically write Broadway plays, <laughs> and she was one of the most famous people on Broadway that Broadway's ever seen. And I think that's like a perfect example of the disconnect between the elites and the school system. I think it's, it's tough to me because I think you're in this middle ground of when should we allow students or, or children at any age to delineate what they're interested in, right? I think as a kid, it'd be very easy to say like, oh, I want to focus on a sport or a certain subject that I like in school. But in all reality, that's not ultimately like what they're going to be good at or what they actually want to pursue. So how do we go about figuring out when they're making that decision? Because I agree with you that I think at some point there should be an opportunity for people to focus on what they're focusing on. And I think it's really interesting because I think athletes is such a small, I mean, like, as, as you can see, like professional athletes is this probably the smallest proportion of anything, but they're the best at what they do. And they focus on that more than anything. But if we start allowing people, kids at the age of eight or 10 or 12 to just say, I'm going to focus on music or I'm going to focus on history or I want to focus on art. What happens when they're 16 or 18 and haven't taken any other courses and then they decide they don't want to do that? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a, it's just, it's, I think it's a, it's a tough question to answer. And I'm not sure if anyone has an answer, but I, I, I sure don't. That's one thing I think about though. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I mean, I know like in the sporting world and I'm sure this happens in the other worlds as well, like music or any type of learning is if you spend too much time on something over and over and over, you're going to get worn out eventually, right? If you don't take a break or have something that takes your mind off it every now and then. Like Brady was saying, what happens when either you stop liking it or you get burnt out? Because, I mean, I know people that have 
focused a lot less time on certain sports and all of a sudden they just get burnt out. And um, then they're like, now what? So it, it becomes the issue of, are we trying to make like well-rounded individuals so they have places to fall back on uh, or something like that in case they don't like what they're trying to specialize in? Or do we want to just give them a general education all the way up to college and then let them decide from there? So like you're saying, I don't, I don't have an answer for this, but there's a lot of interesting issues that get brought up when thinking about what people actually want to do and when and if they get to decide, you know? Well, I think athletics is a good, is a good point too, because maybe in the last 10 to 15 years, we've had this big push for this, this competitive nature and like to get ahead of the game. So kids are starting to train earlier. They're starting to specialize in a sport earlier, four years old, six years old, which is like, to me, is just ridiculous that people are choosing a single sport at that age. And I think a lot of people have even trainers and coaches and people have said exactly what you said is that it's actually good to do different things, play a couple of different sports because it makes you well-rounded. Like Mm -hmm. it helps develop out those other skills that you, that you may not have. And it actually makes you into a, and this could probably be argued as well, but into a better athlete altogether because you're working different skills. If you're playing three different sports or four different sports, or you're just trying them, you're learning about what you like, what you don't like, what you need to work on. Instead of if you're just focusing on one sport for 10 years, you're, you're developing the same skills over and over. So I think there is a piece of, I mean, I'm definitely on team. I think you should play 10 sports and that's going to make you a better athlete in whatever field you end up going into, just because it makes you more well-rounded. You're going to learn like better hand eye and things like that. But there's people that would push back and say the other thing that just focus all your time on one sport. But I think that's one push for the, the well-rounded. And I think athletics makes – there's been a good argument for that um, as of lately. I, I totally agree. If you think of just playing multiple sports, you learn so much about there's, – there's different types of mental learning too, right? It's not only great hand-eye coordination, but it's – you get to learn how to work as a team in some sports. Some sports you get to – Um, work as an individual and work through those things in your mind that yourself and that can really help you further in life I've used so many things in sports that I've learned and carried through to my professional career and just my life in general and I just think having the ability to play multiple sports has just given me such a broad and knowledgeable I guess mindset when thinking about stuff like that I've got a question, too, on this. So we all went to the same school, private school. I went to public school for a little bit in high school. And just, like, the focuses and, like, the differences, do you guys think that private schools should kind of expand more on options for, like, what we learn? Because, I mean, the biggest thing that I can see that kind of expanded our horizon on that would be, like, art or taking, like, a clay class, whereas you go to... A public school and they'll give you options to do like business classes marketing just kind of branching out a lot more than what we had so i was just wondering what you guys think about private schools kind of expanding a little bit more rather than doing those just core writing classes and whatever it may be i mean i I think that's one of those things where it depends on what you're looking for right i was in the same position as you or maybe not the same position well you did a little yeah you did a little bit of public school but I did public school up through eighth grade. So I went through that and then obviously went private the rest of the way. It, it, it definitely is a little different, but I think it, it's it's what you're looking for. Like, I love the experience of what we had. It's structured. I think they do a, like a good job of 
covering the core areas that people may not want to take, but are pretty beneficial. Yeah. Um, but I think the same could be said on the public side, um, public school side, because you get to really what you were saying. And I think that was an option that we maybe not didn't have as much was that you can kind of focus on what you're actually interested in. I knew people that took sports management and things like that, which are obviously as a smaller uh, private school, we didn't have those options. And that wasn't something that I was interested in. But for people that would want to do that, I think that's somewhere you may lack or an area you may miss going to like if you had the opportunity to attend a, a bigger public school with with larger offerings and somewhere where you can get more diverse options. Um, so I don't I don't think either is is right or wrong. That's just my personal opinion. It just depends on kind of what you're looking for. I guess my biggest thing is I would really like schools to do a better job of teaching creativity. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going for on that too. I'm trying to find something that I wrote about creativity that I think really hits home with what we're talking about. So I don't know, Joey, if you have something else to say on it and then get back to me. I actually, I, I, I was interested about something that Bobby touched on earlier. Bobby talked about bringing this aspect of humility to this concept of failure. I think it's interesting because where do you draw the line, especially with people with kind of like a competitive nature in them? Where do you draw the line with being totally fine with failure to the point where it doesn't push you and you're just okay failing and still having that failure being something that can drive you on the other side. So that, not, that might not make sense as much, but failure is something that definitely scares me to some extent. I think I've gotten a lot better at, at accepting that and taking, taking more challenges, more opportunities, that sort of thing. But it's still part of me that I do not want to fail. And it's something that pushes me. How do you balance that with maybe a complacency that might come with if you're failing all the time or just being okay with losing or not getting better, that sort of thing. If that make, does that make sense? Yeah. For me, I think it would be what you're representing with that failure, because let's say you're, you know, you keep failing with like your company, you keep trying these new things. And at some point it's going to look bad on you and other people are going to maybe view that as like, okay, these guys just don't care or they're not trying hard enough, or they just keep taking these risks that aren't working out and it's not helping out anyone. It, uh, just for me, I think it's kind of understanding what you're representing and how you want it to come off to other people. That makes sense. I think my biggest thing when it comes to humility and failure, I guess this would, might bring up something solid that Joey said to me in DC. And Joey, what did, what did you say again? What did you call me? You're an arrogant prick. Yeah. So... That's what I think is kind of interesting in the sense that if you look at the most successful people of our generation, you could kind of say they're arrogant pricks in the sense that they have enough confidence that they don't give a crap what other people think about them in the sense that they understand that they're going to have a lot of people that absolutely hate them, but they're also going to have a lot of people that absolutely love them. But that's how they got to where they are. And I think the big difference is those individuals still have humility. Those individuals, a lot of them, are still willing to reach out to other experts and take advice and add it to their lives, even if they're the best of the best. You know, if you look at sports or business, whatever it is, like even the professional athletes like LeBron James, he's the best of the best. And he still reaches out to NBA greats all the time. He asks for critiques. He tries to figure out what other moves can he add. But he also is arrogant enough 
that he has a million people hate on him every day through social media, whatever else it is, but he's arrogant enough to be okay with who he is, if that makes sense. And that's where I think the whole failure aspect comes into play, where the failure and humility, it's all dependent on how it's used. So if you're scared of failing and that kind of creeps into your personal life in the sense that you're so scared of failing, that means you're not willing to take any risks, which means you're not really willing to really enhance your career because you're too afraid to really go and get what you want. That's a problem. And if you eliminate some of that humility, kind of like what you were saying, Brady, possibly, and you have enough confidence in yourself, then you can go get the things you truly desire and you can make that imprint that you wouldn't be able to make if you just sat back with a ton of humility, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I, I mean, I was thinking of it a little bit more along the lines of the complacency aspect of it, not so much the humility. Like, I 100% agree with what you're saying and kind of being comfortable with yourself and kind of what you bring to the table. And I think like a short distance from that is being, you're talking about being comfortable with yourself. I'm talking about being comfortable where you're at. Oh, gotcha. Do you get what I'm saying? So um, being in, I think you should be comfortable where, you at, where you're at, but you should also be pushing for more. So I think it's when you become too comfortable with where you're at. If does, that that makes have, sense. does that have anything to do with humility? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I don't know if it, cor- if it correlates at all. I would say that it doesn't. I mean, I think being complacent and having humility are separate topics. Oh, com- completely separate topics. I was just seeing if they would they would merge it all. But yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. Gotcha. I think it's interesting too when you talk about the topic of failure and that we, we say like be comfortable with failure and that you should be okay failing at all times and, and kind of be okay getting back on the horse. I think one thing for me is differentiating that failure. So what kind of failure is it? Is it a preparation failure or a preventable failure or is it an execution failure? To me, at least, those things are very different things. Um, And you guys could have a different opinion on that. But to me, preparation failures are much harder to take in than an execution failure. Execution failures are going to happen all the time. Nobody's perfect. And when the time comes, it's going to happen. You're not going to live up to whatever it was. Maybe you don't perform exactly as, as anticipated, that happens. And I think for me, that's a lot easier to accept than either not preparing enough or not being ready for the situation, that sort of thing, which could be, you could quote unquote, call preventable failure. So for me, I like really like to delineate those two because I don't think there should ever be a situation when you come in. Preventable failures that to me are a lot less acceptable than an execution failure. And I don't know if anybody else has thought of it in that way or if, if that makes sense, but me personally, I, I have tried to delineate those more and more as I've grown up. I just think if we're talking about what are your fears and you're fearful of preventable failure, then you're just fucking idiot. Like, I mean, I don't mean to be blunt, but like if you're scared of failure that you could prevent, just prevent it. That's just you being dumb. Like, that should not be a fear that ever crosses your mind. And I guess now I'm just getting kind of ramped up on this subject because I think what really pisses me off, and I know this is completely unfair to everyone that's afraid of failing and it holds them back because I have an unfair outlook on this because I'm not scared of that. But I think it's just bullcrap that people are scared of failing. I think it holds them back so much, and I absolutely hate it. 
because everyone has this crazy opportunity to do a crazy amount, yet failure just creates the sense of doubt. If you look at our website, Educating Entrepreneurs, we have a thing on there on doubt, and there's a story about how the devil was having a garage sale, and basically the devil had all these tools, and the most expensive tool was like the malice of doubt. I don't remember what it was called, but his most expensive tool was doubt, right? And he said, if none of my tools work, doubt works every time. And the only reason doubt works is because people are fearful of failing. And the thing is, all of us are born with that. And I think all of us have the opportunity to push past that. And I think if you don't think you have the opportunity or you don't have the ability to push back past that, I think that's just a lie. And maybe I'm wrong, but there's proof that people push past it every day. And we're all built, we're not all built the same, but we've all started in the same spot and we all choose which direction our life goes. And I think a lot of people go different directions because they're not scared and they're willing to take risks and they ultimately do way more with their lives. I have, I have two things on that. So <laughs> I, I think that brings up a really interesting topic. The first thing, I 100% agree that, so we, we, we began this with, fear of failure. I, I don't think I agree with you that I don't think you should fear failure. What I was saying is that I think it's haphazard to go in and just say, oh, it's okay to fail all the time if you're under if you're going in underprepared. Like I think that's unacceptable. I was just I, what I was trying to delineate between is is saying telling people to say go be comfortable with failure and have people going into a a meeting unprepared or a sports event unprepared or whatever and just saying like oh, I should be okay with this. Like, no, you shouldn't. You should be prepared for that. And if it's a preventable failure, you should not be okay with that. If it's an execution failure, like, oh, you know, I, mi I missed a shot or it didn't go exactly as I planned. I didn't, I didn't say exactly what I wanted to in the meeting or in my pitch. That's different. But I was just saying, I, I, I don't want to give out the intentions that you should go out there and just be okay with failure, even if you go into an event unprepared. I'm not saying that has nothing to do with fearing failure. It's just delineating between, I think, to me, what is acceptable and what's not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely okay. does. Okay, so that was the first point. The second point is you brought up a, a really interesting topic, and you said we're all born with this fear of failure. But really, we're, we're not. Good point. Do you think, do you think we are? Nope, because you're I, right. I don't think we are. Yeah, I agree. You're right. You're 100% right. I guess I should say systematically, we've all been taught to fear mm -hmm. failure. Exactly. There we go. Yep. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with that, but I just think about it when you, I think Brandon brought up a great example, kids walking. Like when you, when you fall down as a kid, you're not like, oh my God, I failed. You don't, you don't think about it. But like, as you go on with society, you start figuring out like, oh, people, do, people look badly upon this or upon that. And it's considered a quote unquote failure. And I think that's taught into us, but I don't, I don't think we're inherently scared of failure yeah, i don't think i agree to have that and i i don't think you meant it like that but i, I did think thank you for correcting me yeah it's an interesting um interesting topic brandon i don't mean to pick on you here but could you give like an example of something you're held back from because of this idea that it's too scary because you might fail can you give like one specific example and we can analyze it Going into like college stuff, I guess, taking a class, I wanted to get into physical therapy. And freshman year, I took chemistry, just basic class, didn't do hot in it, failed it. After that, I'm like, okay, that one class, I'm done. This, I'm not going to be in physical therapy. That's what set me off. And obviously, 
you have to take those core classes to get up to the classes that kind of get you more into it. And I think that's the stuff I would have enjoyed. But failing that one class, I was just like, this is it. Like, screw this. I'm not going to do it anymore. There's no point in trying if it's going to be like this. Do you think that's more of that pain you felt from failing that? Or do you think it's more of the fear you felt of thinking about how much freaking effort you would have to put in to succeed at that? I think it was both, but I think it was more the effort because I saw how much work other people in the class were actually putting into it. And I just kind of thought I was going to get by the class. I'll be done with that. But seeing the people put the effort into it, I'm like, holy crap. That's what scared me was obviously, yeah, the effort. It's like, I have to keep doing this. And it just kind of like even studying for one test, I just thought it was exhausting. So if I kept thinking that's what it's going to be like the rest of the time, I just thought like that's the scary part is it's going to keep going like this and it's not going to get easier. I started this off, so I kind of want to, unless anybody else has anything to say about it, I kind of want to wrap it up by asking another question. And that is when you do have these this fear of failure and it's whatever it is um, in life, in business, in sports, what do you do to get over that? What do you do to push that aside? Even myself with having that fear of failure, it can creep up at times, but I think it's getting over that and pushing it aside as quickly as possible. What do you guys do to overcome that fear if it is ever present? I definitely stole this from someone, but and it involves me swearing. But if I'm honestly scared or I have this fear of failing and I look at what I have to do and I look at how much effort it's going to take and I might put in all that effort, I'm still going to fail. I just sit there and say to myself, I just go, Bobby, do your fucking job. Like, that's your job. That's the only thing I have to get done. And I'm not going to get it done because I'm scared of failing. And I feel like if that's my only job to move things forward, and that's my most productive way to move things forward, if I don't do it, shame on me. So that's really, that's just what I tell myself. I just say, do your fucking job. What if it's not in that context though? What if it's a new opportunity or something you haven't done before? I, I get what you're saying. Something that is mandatory work that you need to get done. What about when it's not? When it's starting something new, when it's trying something new, um, it's reaching out to that new contact to learn from them. Because I think those are two different things, at least for oh, me. Because 100%. With you. So I'm curious, and, and I want everybody to answer. I just, as we're on the topic, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, well then... I mean, it's totally different. If it's a new opportunity, then it just becomes go for it. But if it has to do with like, if it's a financial opportunity where it actually involves me putting in a certain amount of money or my time or whatever else, well, then it just comes down to risk and how you mitigate it. So all of a sudden, I'm not scared once I mitigate the risk properly. If I go into something without any risk mitigation, I'm just chucking a whole bunch of time and money at something. Oh, yeah, I probably would be scared. I probably genuinely would be horrified. But if it's reaching out to somebody, if any of our audience members are scared to reach out to people, you just gotta remember they're people. Our world is so good at dehumanizing human beings in the sense that they appear to be gods, but just humanize them. They have to do everything the same as you. They have to wake up in the morning, they have to brush their teeth, they have to have arguments with their wives, they have to learn new things at work. That might be that might just be a personal one, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't argue with my wife, guys. I just thought it'd be something some people could relate to. But seriously, like they they probably sit in their office just like everyone else and go, "Oh my gosh, this is a new thing I've never seen before. I got to learn how to do this." They're learning like each of us. 
they're willing to talk to you just like we're willing to talk to other people. It's just human nature. Just got and the sooner we all accept that, the easier it is to just go for anything. Just really take a good old stab at it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I like that. I like that take. I think um, one tactic that I use when I'm really fearing, I don't know, whatever it may be, a presentation, a introduction or whatever it may be, or I ask myself, what's the worst that could happen here? Honestly, like, what's the worst that could happen? I reach out to someone, either they don't respond or they do respond and they say they don't have any time or whatever, or they don't want to talk to you, <laughs> whatever. So once you once you set that precedent of worst case scenario, then whatever happens is is okay. I mean, if the worst case scenario happens, whatever, I was prepared for it. If something better happens, that's amazing. You're not expecting that. So, I mean, setting your precedent as what's my worst case scenario? All right, I can accept that, you know, and and if that happens, I'll move along and no harm done, no harm, no foul. That's one of my most useful tactics when thinking about the fear of doing something. And the the second tactic I use is kind of like similar to what Bobby was talking about, like do your job, but it's it's just doing the count down to three and say, fuck it and do it. You know, it's like when you're, this is might be a real personal example, but when you're on the boat and it's, it's really, it's like the first time you're on the boat during the, during the season and it's freezing cold water and you're like, all right, just jump in. It's, it's going to be cold, but just, just jump in and do it. And you're like, just thinking about it and you just got to say, fuck it jump in, you know, jump in the pool, jump in the lake, whatever it is. And I used the first tactic, obviously, a lot more, but um, that can definitely come in handy quite a bit. I couldn't agree more. I think you're, the first one is probably the most one, the one I use more than anything. And I think one thing to like note with that is recognizing that most of the time when you figure out the worst that can happen, it's usually <laughs> staying in the same place that you were previous. So it's the same as you not taking the, so you reach out to somebody and they say, no, I don't want to talk. Okay. Well, if you wouldn't have reached out, you wouldn't have talked anyway. So you're in the same position or you apply for a job and you don't get it. Well, you're still in the same position you were before. You're not in any worse position than you were. There are very few instances in my life when you try and say, what's the worst that can happen? And it ends up significantly worse than where you're at. And I think most of the time you end up in the same exact spot. And that's one thing that helps me kind of figure out like, okay, well then that's the same as me not taking the chance. So why not shoot the shot? You know? So I, I think that's, I, I, I really like that one. And, and to go along with that, I mean, just your examples right there, you, you uh, interviewed for a job and you didn't get it. You're in the same exact spot, but then you think about it. Oh, I have another experience interviewing and maybe I know what I did wrong and it's your learning from it. Right. And like you said, you might, might not only be in the same spot, but you actually like have excelled, right. Even if you think nothing happened, nothing's happened, something has happened. Like you reached out to someone and they say they don't have enough time. You've still made a point of contact, and maybe you'll try a different avenue of, of approach next time, or something like that. You've you've learned from it, right? And this just reminds me of the story, Bobby. You told us where I mean, you tried this one day at the gas station. You, <laughs> you went up to the. I'm excited to hear this one now. <laughs> went up to the cashier, and you just said, "Can I get this half off?" They say no. Best case scenario, they say yes. You get to go home full tank of gas, half off. I mean, they said, no, you move on. You pay your gas like you usually do, full price. But not many people would even think of trying that. And it's, you went for it. They said, no, oh, well, you move on. Awesome. 
You awesome. want me to uh, share my my biggest fear? Yep. Or do you think we already covered the fear sector? Oh, or? no. Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do biggest fear. All right. Is this what you were searching for? Or are you... No, I gave up on it. Nah. <laughs> it we're, we're way past that. It was, yeah, about creativity and stuff. We'll get into it another day. Brady, you might be able to relate to this. I am really fearful of becoming too much of a workaholic. It freaks me out. I consciously sit there at night and think, am I not showing up to that event because I want to make this work? Or am I not showing up to that event because I'm a workaholic and I rather do work over anything in the world? Like, I, I think that's hard. I know very few people probably can relate to that maybe, but and maybe something people can relate to more, just how in the world do you really find, I'm really scared of that work-life, personal life, that balance. And that's the thing that I'm most fearful of by far. Well, Joey, do you have one? My biggest fear, it's not really in business. It's more just like a life biggest fear. And it is um, not being able to provide for my loved ones in the future. I feel prepared, you know, I've well, absolutely not exactly at this moment, but I feel like I've put myself in a good spot. You know, there's always going to be that feeling for me that I guess there's two parts to that is providing for my family and setting them off on the right foot. Um, and however that may be, I mean, if that's just career wise, like my kids, or if that's in school, or if that's real young, um, any type of learning tactics that they may use. And I'm fearful of that. And maybe that's just because of my inexperience with it or something like that. But I don't know, that's, that's kind of a, one of my biggest fears for sure. I think that's a very real fear. Possibly, you know, you never know, but <laughs> the old wife and I will be trying to have the old baby. The old baby. And you never know. It kind of freaks me out sometimes thinking I could be a father in a year from now. And how am I going to make sure not only I provide for them financially, but I am there every moment in that child's life to make sure he or she grows up to just be a good human being. I was just saying, I don't want my kid to grow up to be a douchebag. You know? <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, I personally think, and I know this is wrong. Obviously, there's some children that don't follow suit and follow what their parents say. But I think if you parent appropriately and you parent well and you don't only try to be your child's best friend and you actually try to be a parent your mm -hmm. kid's gonna grow up right but that comes down to you as a parent to raise them properly that's stressful what if i said something at like when my child just comes out of the womb and i'm like oh that baby's fat you <laughs> and all of a sudden the along the way like that. you're gonna you're gonna say that your baby's the ugliest thing ever and my baby just grows up with this sadness that it just feels <laughs> fat all the time like up until it's like 25 it's like i don't know why i'm skinny but i feel so fat i'd be like that's my bad i said that when you First came off. out of the womb we are beyond off topic right now yeah yeah <laughs> i know yeah. but a little far up i apologize for uh i just wanted to bring that broad answer in there i didn't want to get too in depth because it's not business i mean i guess you could say it's business related preparing for your future uh, financially and providing for uh, your family, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to, didn't want to dive too deep into uh, babies, the womb. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> I think your answer was perfectly logical, and <laughs> we had someone taking a rabbit hole route down that one. Uh, <laughs> Guys, I got excited. Well, awesome. I, I appreciate the uh, the answers because I, I think that's a good topic. I think that was a good good roundtable as well. A lot of different perspectives there. Thank Pocket you, thoughts. everybody, for joining Pocket Thoughts this week. And I hope you liked our little roundtable session. And you join us next week when we talk about something else super incredibly awesome. All right. Peace. <laughs> peace. Bye.